Hey guys, welcome back to the Man on Mission podcast, and I am super excited to share with you today. We're going to flip the script a little bit on today's episode, and what I mean by that is I was interviewed recently um, on a friend's podcast who also happens to be um, podcasting about fatherhood and family and Christian life, Um, and he asked me to talk about uh, building a family mission and vision statement, and it was a great chat. Um, I think there was a lot of cool things that we kind of unpacked together, and I thought it would be really cool to share with you guys, both as a way to um, introduce you to Patrick um, at the Dad Hackers podcast, um, but also uh, to kind of just share the discussion. I think it's a really um, interesting topic that I'm really passionate about and doesn't get talked about enough. So um, thought I would bring that to you today, and instead of me being the um, host or the uh, interviewee, uh, I'll be the one uh, getting interviewed. So uh, hope you guys enjoy this. And without further ado, let's dive in. All right, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Sure thing, man. This this is this is great. I think this is the earliest podcast recording I've ever done. It's it's nine o'clock my time, and I think what six a.m. your time? Six six a.m. Man, it's uh bright and early. Yeah, yeah. It's it's rainy. Well, not quite bright. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little rainy on my end of the country, but uh, not quite as early either. So, oh man. But anyway. well, yeah, it's good to be here. I'm excited for this chat. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And and you and I were talking a little bit before the before we hit record. And I, I think the stuff that we're going to talk about is going to be really, really valuable. And I, I know I'm looking forward to it too. So Chris, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about who you are, your context as a Christian husband, father, and some background, just so guys who aren't familiar with you yet can become familiar with you and, and know where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, so Current context is uh, married for uh, going on almost eight years. Uh, I've got two kids, two boys, uh, Asher and Solomon, who uh, Solomon is one, Asher is three years old, and they are just a blast. Um, you know, my wife and I are pretty passionate about family and just understanding how to um, craft a culture within the home. And so that's, uh, really comes out in, in much of the ministry work and the online work that we do is really helping other folks understand how to do that as well. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, um, but my parents really didn't have a vision or, uh, a process for helping craft a culture in the home regarding our faith and regarding legacy. So a lot of it had to do with kind of work and, career and things like that. I mean, and, and that's pretty typical, you know, American experience, right? Like, yeah, definitely. Um, we, uh, we focus on the American dream and, and those kinds of things and the legacy of faith and, and family kind of often get overlooked. And, um, so I spent, um, about five years as an army ranger. And one of the things that I learned in that kind of season of life really was, was understanding, um, mission and understanding kind of critical components to accomplishing something, uh, that was really valuable. And, um, from that, it, it kind of helped me see this divide between 
um, what families were doing in the United States and really what that looked like and like how we should be thinking about things. And um, so as I started to kind of go through, you know, the, the eight years of marriage that we've had and, you know, my experience in the church and um, just typical even Christian life, let alone like American family life, I just started to see this big gap and this big divide between um, kind of what the Bible shows us in terms of family values and legacy and, and how to shape culture and really what we were doing as the church. And so that's kind of really where all this started from and, and uh, what brought me to where I am today. That sounds good, man. That's, that's interesting because, um, you know, I, I think a lot of guys, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started the, the recording, but I, I think a lot of guys desire to um, train their families up in, in the ways of the Lord and, and do things biblically. But a lot of us don't know how to like walk that out in everyday life. And we end up living life on autopilot and just going day after day after day, going through things and going through the motions. And like, we'll take our family to church and, and maybe we'll read, read a Bible scripture at, at dinner table or pray or something like that. But we don't have like this solid core or conviction of what our family as a whole unit is called to do by God. I don't think we, and particularly like you're saying in, in the United States, I don't think we think in that, that context we often think individualistically, like, what is my calling as a man? Uh, what, what is my calling? You know, and, and not so much what's, what's my calling for my marriage? What's, what's God calling my family to do? So I, I think this is going to be pretty cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you think about it, though, like, we're, we're all equipped to do this, and we all do this every day, right? So what I mean by that is... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so what's interesting is, is like, we would all find this to be a normal practice, like, like understanding, Hey, what are we called to be doing? What's the the mission of our family? All that kind of stuff. We do this in sports teams. We do this uh, at, you know, high schools have mission statements, right? Like, you know, colleges, um, businesses, clubs, like everything, all these organizations, in the world, always understand the value of having a mission, uh, understanding what that mission is, catching a vision for where they want to be, and then putting that down to help guide their process, right? Like, this is everyday business. What, what, would, in, what would a massive corporation do if they didn't know what their mission was, and they didn't have a vision statement, and they didn't right. craft a culture, <laughs> right? Like, it would, it would crumble, it would, it would not succeed. But we just don't do that with family for some reason. And I, Oftentimes, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just that guys, um, because this has been something missing in the American lifestyle for centuries now, it's like, I don't think the connection is ever made and people just need to, to have permission to say, hey, I can treat the way I structure my family life the same way that we do everything else because family really is the first like organized institution that God created. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, where do you think the breakdown occurs? You said it, it's been like centuries since we've thought about family in these terms. And, and I think you're right. But what, what do you think has led to this 
this breakdown, I guess, in, in, in the gap and in, in guys not making the connection between, oh, like we're, we're so intentional with, with the teams that we coach and the businesses that we run and, and even within the church um, as, as like the, the formal church gathering and the church building and how all that operates. But then when it comes to the family, it's like where it's like super critical and super important, it, it's non-existent. Where do you think that breakdown occurs? I think a lot of it has has really been rooted in the way that the United States has evolved, right? It's it's evolved into an individualistic culture that's really designed around um, the individual is of the utmost importance rather than the individual is a critical component to a family mission, right? So now, um, rather than parents saying, well, my my kids are part of the mission and the calling that they, and, and, and I think we should take a minute to kind of define that in a second. Um, but God has called us to do this. It is God has called me and I'm going to go my own way. And so whether that be, you know, I have this passion to be a, uh, run my own creative agency, right? So I'm going to go do that. And it has nothing to do with my family. Um, because that's what God's called me uniquely to do. But I think that um, history, biblical history, and actually all the way up through really early days of uh, the United States, like that wasn't the case. People lived multi-generationally. People lived with a multi-generational vision and mission. Um, and I think the impact has, uh, has really come from that shift in the way that we think about um, what's most important um, versus, or, you know, that the individual versus the collective. Um, my parents, they actually just got back from a trip to Egypt. And what they found was that um, these families live in these buildings and they actually build multiple floors for each of the individual families within the larger family context. And so when a son um, reaches a certain age, they actually begin building uh, like the shape and the the uh, like foundation or, or whatever it is for that particular floor. Then when they get engaged, they do a two-year sprint to build that next floor so that that particular um, son and his wife or, or um, their family or whatever can have a place to live with the whole family. And so I think it's just interesting as you look at these other cultures um, that are not as ingrained in kind of the American dream type of experience and culture they just think about family very differently. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think it's important too, though, if we take a minute, Patrick, to kind of like define some of these things for folks. Because for me, when I first started this, I think there was a lot of like muddiness and lack of clarity right. around, you know, some of these things. So the way that our family looks at this is you've got um, mission, or, which is in in our case kind of synonymous with calling, um, and then you've got uh, your assignment, um, and so calling is what we would say is kind of an irrevocable um, call on the lifetime of you as an individual and your family, and so um, what that would be really is a general theme in your life. Um, one of the ways that I would explain this is, you know, John is a 
a communicator. That's the way he was designed by God. He's really good at communicating ideas. He's good at public speaking. He's good at talking in small groups. He's, you know, the works, right? Like that's just kind of, he's very articulate. That's the way he thinks. Um, you know, in this season, he might be helping his church run a podcast. And in this season over here, he might be actually preaching from stage or leading a small group or um, running the youth ministry, or perhaps he's even um, in business and he's actually a um, sales trainer for a corporation, right? Like calling. And then there's assignment and assignment is kind of like the individual specific work ministry or activity that you're doing in that season. It's one of those things I just mentioned. He's working in business as a trainer. He's a preacher. He's a podcaster. And so that's kind of the difference here. Um, and so I would always encourage guys like you need to take time and understand what the general themes in your life are and how you really feel like God has hardwired you because that's going to be a direct indicator of how your family is meant to have impact. And then from there, you know, you can identify unique assignments throughout different seasons because you know, it's in line with what you're called to. Um, so I would differentiate it that way. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, just like a clarifying question. So if, um, use the communicator concept again, because we're communicating here and, and this is a podcast and you brought that up. Um, so I'm, I'm podcasting now and, you know, I, I feel like part of what God has called me to do is to facilitate a community for men, particularly Christians who are, who are fathers, um, Christian men who are fathers. And, um, encourage and equip them to become the men that, that God has called them to be. So that's for me individually. How, how does that get worked in to the, the whole collective as a family so that I'm not just pursuing what I'm doing with dad hackers totally segmented from the rest of my family? Does that question make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I could, I, think I could see a lot of guys getting into that, like, oh, I'm, I'm called to, to youth ministry, I'm, I'm called to uh, being a, a full-time preacher, I'm called to, to mission work, or I'm called to this after-school program, or, or this online ministry, or whatever. And, and a lot of the work, when you get down to the specific assignments, is, is kind of individualistic. So I'm just curious how that, how that all fleshes together, I guess. Yeah, see, I would call all of those assignments and not a calling. Um, I think a calling is a general theme that you're going to be in agreement with your wife on. Um, I think when you look at the original language in Genesis, I think that's a great place to start. Anytime you look at the relationship of family and marriage, you always want to go back to the first mention, which is Genesis, right? And so when you think about... God looks at Adam, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. It's the first time he says it's not good. Yeah. So he's already given Adam something to do, and Adam can't accomplish it without having a helper. And the term helper that's used in the Old Testament there uh, for Eve, um, or what would later be called Eve, um, is actually the same Hebrew word for helper that's used like 16 other times in the Old Testament uh, for the way that God actually um, talks about himself towards the people of Israel. Yeah. So there's this clear indicator that the wife is very much um, a part 
of this calling of this mission that God has given to man. So to think, and and then you got to understand and remind yourself that we are one or, or uniquely um, brought together into one flesh. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's a mystery that none of us will fully understand until we're in heaven. But remembering that is, and, and thinking of the way that we do life that way, I would say if you're not in agreement with your wife and you guys have gone through a very prayerful, um, you know, uh, hopefully in-depth, hopefully long-term process to identify what God has put into you to do and you're not in agreement, then one of you is probably incorrect and you need to continue to seek the Lord in that area. Right. So I think once you have identified the true mission and calling that your family has um, been placed on or ha- has had placed on them, I think you'll be in agreement. So that's stage one. My wife and I are in agreement for us that, you know, back to our, our reference, I'm a communicator and I'm, I'm specifically called to encourage, equip, to train, to lead, to speak to other Christians. Now, in different seasons, our assignment will look different, and we'll be prayerful about the assignment to ensure that, hey, is this actually where God's leading us in this season? And then if we're in agreement on that, we can move forward like full head of steam as a family. Then the language starts to shift in the home too. So um, an example is, you know, uh, I'm currently in a job uh, where I travel, and when I leave, Um, the language that my family uses is that they're actually sending me on an assignment, which is really cool. So when, when I'm traveling for work, my kids take part in um, sending dad to accomplish in this season, what I'm assigned to do. And it's in line with our calling as a family. And so they get to be part of that. And so little nuances like that start to shape the culture in the home so that, that, you know, it becomes like holistic rather than individual. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so it, it may not just, it may not be a total upheaval of everything you're doing. It just may be communicating with your wife and, and seeing, okay, we, we are actually working where we're, where we're called to work and, and doing the assignments where we're called to be on. And maybe we just need to, to be more unified on that and to get clarity on it as well as change some of the language and the mindset behind how we think about what we're doing. Cause like, for example, I'm just thinking about the way that you're talking about this. I'm down in um, where I do my podcast recording and my family's upstairs. They, for them to think of it as um, we're sending dad downstairs to his workroom where he does the podcasting to on an assignment to do the podcast recording versus oh, dad has another podcast. Uh, we just got to be quiet up here while he, while he does it. Is that kind of the shift in mindset? Yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, you got to think about young kids too. Like how cool is it for them to be a part of something? And when we invite them into the story of the family, um, they can take ownership and over the years, as they develop in their faith and, and they understand more about what we're accomplishing as a family, they can really take ownership of that. So my kids can 
can say that our family does X, Y, and Z, and this is the impact that we're having because they've taken a part in, in sending me, whether it's in the other room to do a podcast or on a trip or to a speaking, you know, gig or something like that. Um, and that, now they're written into that story. And so as they grow in age and they develop out in different things, like now it looks like, okay, well, as a family, now it's something I learned from, from our mentors, like, hey, you know, I'm going to go take this speaking gig at a conference. I'm going to take one of my kids and they're going to be part of this experience. And it's going to be father-son time and they're going to be able to be a part of what the family is doing. It's not dad leaving on another trip. Um, so I think yeah. you're exactly right. Just changing the language, some of the nuance, just looking at it slightly different. It doesn't necessarily mean you're changing the way you do everything, it's just changing the way you think about it and the way you talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Um, you and I were talking a little bit before we, we started recording about how you're making a transition in your career and how that's tied back to um, your, your vision and, and mission for your family. Can, can you explain a little bit about the process of how you, how you came to make that decision? Because I think a lot of guys um, are, quote, stuck in jobs that they may or may not like, but it's detracting them from carrying out what God has called them to do, in particular with respect to their family. Maybe it, it's a job that pays very well, um, and they're able to financially provide for their family, but they're gone 70, 80 hours a week, and they have to travel three weeks out of the month, and they miss everything. And you know, that, that's a big part of our calling as dads is to be present and be engaged in, and really take leadership in our homes in ways that, that, is, that are um, different than what the world would say leadership in the home is. So anyway, that was, that was a long way to ask you the question. Just, you know, explain that, that transition and, and what, what uh, prompted you. Well, one of the things that you had talked about earlier is that that as guys we we kind of just coast right like we're we're on autopilot mm-hmm. um and there's kind of a lack of intentionality part in my opinion because they nobody's given them permission to treat their family in a different way um and cuz they're just busy you know providing and and thinking about that kind of in in one channel versus multifaceted right um, Roy Disney says, it's not hard to make decisions once you know what your values are. And so I think the process of me leaving that job, um, it actually stems from writing a, a mission statement and catching a vision for my family. So we've been talking about this, like the difference between calling an assignment and all that. So really the writing a mission statement is, is catching a vision for what you believe you're called to as a family, um, what you want to maintain, and then also what you want your family to evolve and grow into. And so putting that into a mission statement, um, after you've caught a vision for what the future looks like with your family, thinking about, okay, when my kids are 10, what kind of culture do I want in the home? What do I want them to be doing? How do I want them to view their faith? How do I want um, Jesus to be talked about in our home? And all these different components catch that vision, write a mission statement. And then it's really easy once you have that written out to make decisions that either point you to or to change things that point you away from where that, that trajectory is. And so for me, 
I work for a tech company that serves the church. It's an incredible job. I've been doing it for four years. I make really good money. Um, it's a lot of fun. I have massive impact for the kingdom. Like all the, all the boxes are checked yeah. and most people would, would, would look at that and they go like, you'd be insane to leave. But for me, I have this mission statement written out for my family and we have an understanding of where we want our family to be and what it, we want it to look like in five, 10, 15, 20 years. And this is not pointing us in that direction because I'm gone a full week a month, you know, like literally gone for five to seven days at a time and trying to create culture and to make shifts in our family that, that are important to us based on that mission statement is, is sometimes almost impossible when I'm traveling. So I take something that, and, and I think the decision you mentioned guys that, that maybe don't like their job, but they're busy providing. I think it's even harder when you have to make a decision about something that you really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking about shifting direction with anything that you enjoy, it doesn't have to be a job. It can be the way that the way that we're involved in church or small groups that we're leading or ministries that we've been running uh, at our church for five years. And it's just not allowing our family to really do what we feel called to do. So maybe you've been running children's ministry, but you feel called to be hosting in your home. And there's a collision of the two, but there's somebody out there that's gifted in children's ministry that will run that and it'll be just fine. And so understanding what that mission is and then making decisions to point you in that direction. So it becomes really easy for me to make a hard decision about something that I love when I know that it's moving me in the direction um, of that mission statement. So I think that's really critical. And I think unless you have that, you know, referencing back to the business uh, example earlier, like a business that doesn't have a mission statement, when they make decisions, they're just going to be on autopilot, right? They're going to they're gonna think about what's right in front of them, what's most important in that moment, rather than, okay, is this decision pointing us in the direction of what we are supposed to be accomplishing? And if it's not, it's probably the wrong decision. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Jessica and I, we went on a trip recently and... um it's just about an hour and a half away from our house, but it was just she and I, and we got in the car together and we were, we inevitably we start talking and we, we start to get pretty deep in our conversations. And one of the things we were discussing is how, um, how important it is to have a set of, of values for yourself and for your family and um, like, like a mission values, uh, a, a code of conduct, those types of things, because those are principles, life operating principles. If you, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but just like you're talking about with your vision of your, for your family, it helps to point you in the direction that you need to go. And when you're in a, a circumstance where a decision needs to be made, it keeps pulling you back into where you're supposed to go and pointing you in the right direction. So that if you're really truly following that, that vision or following that mission or following or living by those, those guiding principles, you're going to be more likely to stay on track and not get distracted and sidetracked because, because you're totally right. You know, you know, you have a, a job that you enjoy, a job that pays well, it provides for your family. You, you enjoy what you're doing. You feel like you're making an impact and all those, like you said, all those boxes are checked. So I could see it being extremely difficult to make that decision. But when you go back to, 
you know, kind of like your br- blueprint for your family and you're, you're looking at it and you're like, well, th- this is not going to get us to where we want to be in five, 10, 15 years down the road. So I need to make a decision now to, to kind of course correct so that I can line up my life with where it needs to go for my calling. Totally. I think a good, uh, like imagery for this would be, I'm in a, I'm in like a tropical jungle. I've got, I've got a compass in my hand and I've got my azimuth, you know, it's pointed in the direction that I'm supposed to be going, which is leading me to the ocean, right? To this glorious beach, amazing body of water. Um, there's, you know, lush vegetation over in that direction. And off to the right, I see this kind of tropical oasis. There's a small pond, looks like it might be clear water. It looks pretty good. It looks kind of nice, but that's going to take me, uh, you know, way out of the way from where I'm supposed to be headed, which is the beach. But I've only got 30 minutes to get to the beach. Yeah. Because really we're all living with a finite period of time that's indefinite. We don't know how long we have and God's put us here to accomplish one thing. So what is it going to cost me to go off my compass azimuth, to go off course, to go over in this direction, which is good and beneficial and lush and green? And, you know, uh, am I going to run out of time? Am I not going to accomplish what I was supposed to do um, because of that? And so the, the compass is your mission statement. It is your, your vision for where you're headed. Um, that keeps you true north like as a family, I think it's important too, that guys have permission to think differently. Like we are Christian men, like we are called to be holy. We're called to be set apart, which is we're supposed to be peculiar to to the culture around us. Like we're not supposed to be the same. We're supposed to be different. And people are supposed to look at us and go like, why does Patrick do that? Like, like his family's, happy and they have an incredible family life and they make some interesting decisions. But like, I'm curious about that. That's how like Christians are supposed to be living. And so I think oftentimes dads run into this collision when, you know, they think about simple things like um, whether or not their kids are going to play every sport all year round. Right. Because, you know, I've got a, uh, I've got a vision for my family and we feel called to um, be hospitable. We have the gift of hospitality. We're called to host people in our home, to really build community, to pour into other Christian families, um, to, to do dinners, to do gatherings at our home, things like that. But if I, all three of my kids or five of my kids or whatever it is are in sports year round, every single night of the week is taken up we're never going to be able to do any of those things that we feel called to do. Now, are we, are we called as an individual or are we called as a family, right? That's the mindset shift. And then understanding, okay, if we're called as a family, we're called to be different than the culture. Culture says that everybody go do what you want, do what makes you happy, all that stuff versus thinking eternally, thinking um, the mission of the kingdom, thinking impact, thinking, holy and set apart, now we can shift our our approach and say, you know what? I don't think all of my kids being in sports year round is actually pointing us in the direction of what we believe our family's called to do. We're going to put some limits on this. Each kid can play 
one sport and we're going to do one season a year. The rest of the year we're pouring into X, Y, and Z, right? I've actually, my mentor, and, and this isn't for everybody, clearly, but he actually made the decision that they're not going to do any individual sports and everything they do is going to be as a family. They actually like went, took Taekwondo lessons as a family, five kids, uh, two parents, um, and they did it for a long time. And many of their kids are like multiple level black belts and all that kind of stuff, but they were able to do it as a family. Um, and this guy is now seen as like the father of his city, like churches all over the city. It's a massive city in the United States. Churches all over see him as a father of that city because he's just thinking differently and people are recognizing how peculiar that is. And that's not for everybody, but starting to think through little things like that, just how do we put in place control measures and parameters to kind of keep us pointed in the right direction, I think is critical. Yeah. And that, that kind of goes to my, to the point I was making about people being on autopilot. Like, you know, the normal thing is for your kids to be in multiple sports, multiple activities. And if you have multiple kids, I mean, you're just running around like a crazy guy trying to, to meet all the practices, all the competitions, all the games and everything like that. And that's what, quote, normal people in our culture do, because that's what you do. You sign your kids up for all these sports and sometimes they're on multiple teams and you got multiple kids and then, you know, you're just going crazy. And that's what culture, the normal in culture is. But if you have this um, underlying code of conduct or this underlying mission or vision to point you in the right direction, it can steer you clear of, of, uh, of that trap of the, the activity trap, if you will. Chris, could you talk a little bit more specifically about crafting a vision or mission and maybe like which one should you go after first? Uh, I'm sure there's kind of like an order of, of how you, you begin to craft those for guys that, that are serious and they want to begin crafting a, a mission and a vision for their families. What, what are some things they can do to get them started there? Yeah, great question. Um, so I don't think there's um, a perfect order um, kind of differentiating between those two. Um, I do think there's a pretty intentional process that we have to take. So I think God has hardwired a lot of stuff into his created, right? And um, the same way that a honeybee is designed to make honey, a honeybee will never, you know, be a water buffalo, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, so definitely. I think each of us is, is hardwired pretty uniquely. So I think that, I think there's going to be a resounding gong in our heart, around some different things. Uh, I think, uh, admittedly, our experience and culture, the way that we're raised, the noise um, of, you know, 2019 and the internet and all these different things, I think it can bury that. So I think sometimes that needs to be cultivated and unearthed from us, um, kind of um, re, uh, reimagined or re, uh, rediscovered, if you will. But it's in there. So I would say if you already have that, that's going to be kind of the nucleus of all of it. Write that down and understand, okay, this is, this is very specific to the calling in my life and in our family. And now spend some time in prayer and understand 
like what you feel God has called you to do and understand that that is going to um, have family attributes to it. It's never going to be just me, John Smith, called to be a missionary and leave my family behind. I don't think that that's what God does. I, I think there might be a season where I would go on a mission without my family, but I don't think it's a disconnect from the family. You know, the first, one of the first commandments that God gave us was uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill and subdue the earth, right? And it's a family calling on mankind. And so that would be kind of stage one. And that that's really helping you cast a vision. Okay, where, where do we see us having impact? Where do we feel uniquely called to have that impact? Um, and then, like, what do we see in scripture in regards to how families function and, and how we want ours to function? Then take into account, you know, family history. Are there unique things in each of my wife and I's families that we want to try to avoid that are generational pitfalls that we've seen and how do we build safeguards around ensuring that doesn't happen with our family. And so all of these components just start writing them out. And, and really as you kind of do so, you'll probably start to see a theme. You'll start to see kind of a, a congruence and you can craft that into a mission statement. And then from there uh, I would encourage guys to take that mission statement and then to write pillars. We have eight let me uh, uh, see if I can pull mine up and, and share a couple of details from it. But we have eight pillars and these pillars are things that we will think of them like values. These are the, the pillars that we will live by uh, within our family that will help us continue every day to move in the direction of that mission statement coming to fruition. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really interested to to hear the example. I always do better if I have like a, an example like okay, this is kind of a framework of of what what I should be producing. So yeah. Yeah, I've got that here. So um for our family, so our mission statement is we exist to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to experience and enjoy him, to share him, to praise him and to take the ground that he has already declared as his. Now, we felt from our standpoint that our mission was um, very ministry focused and it was helping people take ground. So you notice kind of the, um, there, there can be a vagueness to this calling into this mission, but understanding what that core thing is, is what then allows you to craft your, your values and the process of how are we going to uniquely accomplish that in our family? So uh, our eight pillars are, you know, apprenticeship to Jesus, family as a team, um, generosity, home, and the table, uh, courage, multi-generational, health, rhythms, and create. So I can kind of unpack those just a little bit. Yeah, I but think these are kind of, good. Yeah. Yeah, these values keep us kind of true north. These pillars are what we we stand on. So apprenticeship to Jesus is that we want our family to be all about Jesus and everything that we do. He's not just like a part of our life. He's actually like the whole of it. Following Jesus for a Jesus follower is the single most important thing, like the way of Jesus. Um, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Uh, Paul talks about like 
becoming like Christ as evidence that we are his people. Um, so I think that's really important, but also then we want to, we want to be people that, uh, usher that into the world around us. And so, um, how do we show Jesus to the world around us by being his apprentice? Um, family as a team is unique for us. It, it, it's specifically relevant to this conversation. It's like, we are a family team. We're not a group of individuals all going our own ways. God has uniquely brought us in this place for such a time as this to do something unique as a family. Um, and so we also believe that God births each individual into the family for a specific reason. We think about, you know, um, there's family like team captains, right? Like, um, and this is something we've gotten from our mentors. Um, you know, having a team captain, uh, on a sports team doesn't mean the other individuals are less important. It's just a role, right? It's mm -hmm. just a, it's just a, uh, a unique gifting. The quarterback who's a captain and an incredible leader doesn't make the center less valuable. The center is actually, in some cases, more valuable than the quarterback because without him, the quarterback can't even accomplish what he's supposed to be doing. So oftentimes people think about um, elevated positions. It, it's, it's level playing field. Everyone just has a different role and a different part to play in the family. And so oftentimes middle kids can be seen as connectors. Oftentimes they're the bridge between the older and the younger, and they actually are really good with people in connecting. And so identifying what are these unique skills? How do we live as a team? And how, do our, how are these attributes actually being carried out? And then for us, generosity, home, the table, you know, we, we actually think that, um, you know, the table and eating specifically around a table with community is really important. Um, and we also think that we can create kind of little pockets of heaven when you bring community together uh, around the table to eat and share stories and to be joyful and to actually encourage one another uh, in the name of Jesus. And so uh, then generosity is part of that, right? Being, being generous and opening your home, but also financially generous. We want to always be um, supporting the mission of the kingdom uh, financially because that's, that's all biblical as well. So being open-handed with your resources, time, and your energy. Um, and then courage. We, Jesus was um, somebody who <laughs> stood up to the status quo, right? Like he never, um, he never just settled for what was happening, right? He was always challenging thinking. He was challenging thinking around children. He was challenging thinking around um, marriage, around the way that, um, you know, religion was done. He was challenging thinking around um, the position of women in society. Like everything was being challenged by Jesus and, and he, you have to have courage to challenge the status quo because you will often, um, metaphorically, and sometimes there's been people that have been martyred for their faith, actually physically, um, will be persecuted for challenging the status quo. And so, you know, having courage is something that is required. Um, living multi-generationally, you know, when we when we think about investments, um, are we thinking about how we set ourselves up for retirement or am I thinking about how I pass a, um, a home or a set of assets down to the multiple generations down the line? Am I thinking about 
um, whether I'm going to play golf on the beach in 40 years when I retire, or am I thinking about um, how my kids are uniquely set up in, 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 in really cool, um, powerful ways um, to also continue this multi-generational legacy? You think about uh, the Jewish culture. Um, it's really fascinating. Um, not only are like something like 20 to 30% of like Pulitzer Prize and Nobel Prize winners Jewish, but they have this like unique culture around family, right? That's the whole Old Testament culture actually continues to cultivate through that um, society today. And what's interesting is some many families have a rule where like, hey, if you want to start a business, uh, we will fund it and we'll give you a loan. And if you fail, um, we'll forgive you. And sometimes you can do that three times where you can take a loan from the family to go start a business, which is why I think uh, Jewish people account for like 2% of the population in the United States, but account for about 40% of its wealth. Wow. And you start to think about the way families do things, right? Um, for us, health, Jesus gave us our bodies. We want to care for them. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you don't have to be um, crazy about this because um, Paul says, you know, physical training is of some value, um, but spiritual is of more. And so, but we just want to honor what God's given us. So we want to take care of our earth. Um, we, uh, I would, I'd be the first to, to claim that I'm not a hippie. Um, but I do believe that we're, we're designed to steward everything that God's put in our possession. And that is the home that we have. That's the land that we own. That's the gardening. That's the food. That's the, the waste products, like everything. Um, and then rhythms is uh, the second to last one. Weekly rhythms, yearly rhythms, daily rhythms, they're all important. So um, we Sabbath every week. Um, Friday night to Saturday night is no phones, no TV. We actually have a, um, a Sabbath dinner where we just enjoy ourselves. Um, the kids have a blast. My, my son gets special wine, um, which is just grape juice. And, um, you know, we actually break bread. We celebrate what Jesus has done. And then we rest. We rest really well. <laughs> and um, disconnect because it's interesting the first day of human existence you know God created all these things in, in the first um, you know five days and then on the sixth day he created mankind and then on the seventh day was the Sabbath was a day of rest so our first day as humans was a day of rest and if that doesn't remind us that God's in control and that we need to rest in him. Uh, and then he proclaimed that the Sabbath was holy. And Jesus said this, the, the, the man is not for Sabbath. The Sabbath is for man. It serves us. It, it gives us rest in our soul. It rejuvenates us. It allows us to um, accomplish things. So we don't get religious about it because that's, we don't have to Sabbath, but we should because it's healthy. And then create. We believe God can designed I, us. Can I interrupt you? Yeah. I, I got one question. It, it, this just flew into my mind. Um, you say you Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday night, right? Yeah. So like a, a lot of stuff happens on the weekend. Do you guys just stay home? Or I, I'm just wondering how, how you walk that out in everyday life. Because 
like most people are off on the weekends and they do stuff. They go, they go out, they go shopping, they do this, they do that. And I understand some of those things can be scheduled other days, but like a lot of the parties and um, get togethers that um, other people have that you might get invited to, are you, are you like totally skipping those or is that incorporated into the rest? Um, I'm just curious how you work that. Yeah. It defend, excuse me, it depends on what's restful for you. Right. So for me, um, an example is I enjoy golf, but there's no way that I'll go golf on the Sabbath because I'll be probably whispering curse words. Don't tell anyone because I'm a Christian, uh, frustrated and angry, you know, like, cause I'm competitive. So that's not restful for me. And, you know, I repent when I'm done, but like, it's, that's not going to rest, be rest for my soul. You know, yeah. and my wife, my wife's an introvert. So is going to a party, is that going to be restful for her soul? Absolutely not. And so, you know, we structure our lives around what we feel God called us to and what we feel God calls all people to. And I believe he designed us, you know, like I said, it's not religious. You don't have to Sabbath. But I think he designed us in order to have that rhythmic rest. And I think to go against his design is no different than any other design that we might go against, like, you know, um, whether or not uh, marriage is male and female or, you know, like uh, you name it. Right, right. right? And so I think sometimes uh, we pick and choose as Christians uh, what which designs God created that are imperative and which ones are not imperative. And, you know, the, the worst people at this are pastors, the worst people. I, so uh, we're, we're kind of going on a rabbit trail here, I, but this is fascinating. So my company throws a conference every year. It's massive, like 1200 churches are there. And um, Carrie Newoff, who's got one of the top like Christian leadership podcasts uh, in the world. Um, he's a pastor at, at uh, connects church or connects his church in Canada. Um, he actually did a live poll during his keynote session, asking people to vote on whether or not they experience burnout and whether or not they're experiencing symptoms of burnout in that moment. 83% of people in the audience, all pastoral ministry were experiencing burnout. Wow. So pastors you know, you look at the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath is one of the original Ten Commandments. Again, Jesus has fulfilled uh, everything on our behalf. He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. So we can live more freely and we're not under the religious like structure anymore in order to be righteous in God's eyes. But nonetheless, if a pastor were to break any of the other nine commandments, he would either at, at best be fired or at worst be in jail right? Or be executed if he murdered somebody potentially, right? Like, but for some reason that, you know, other 10th commandment that we have, which is to honor the Sabbath, people are like, well, if the pastor's working hard and more people are coming to the church, he's, you know, meeting people out on the street, evangelizing, doing these things and working his tail off. Well, let's give him a raise. Yeah. Encourage more. Right. So, we just have to think about, I think, from that perspective first, like, what, 
what does God say that we're supposed to be doing and how did he design us? And is it wise to go against the way that he designed us so that we can go to a party on a Saturday night? And then we just shape what we do. Like we're not, we're not hermits by any means. Like Saturday morning we wake up, we take our boys out to a local coffee shop that we have around here. We get coffee, we mingle with people, you know, we enjoy avocado toast because it's kind of a, you know, a hipster area. And, you know, we, we, we have fun. My son gets a cookie. It's like the highlight of his day. Sometimes if we feel like it could be restful, we might shop, but the, the, the goal is not to be consuming a bunch of stuff like spending money. The goal is to be thankful. Um, so we just start, we're just really calculated with how we do it. Sometimes yard work and mowing the lawn is really restful for me. And sometimes it feels like a huge task. So it really just depends on kind of like that week. Do I feel like I'm in a position where I can rest well, um, pulling some weeds, um, pulling, you know, piling up some brush, mowing the lawn, those kinds of things. Or do I just need a good book or the Bible and like two hours of quiet time? Like, what, what does that look like? Do I need to do that while my kids are napping? And so uh, not being so rigid and structured with it, but also, you know, just protecting it and knowing that your body needs it. And that's the way God's designed you. Yeah. And I, I would think having the, the mission and the vision for your life to fall back on, to be able to evaluate the opportunities and um, things that, that come before you are, are very helpful in and you determining, like you said, it's not like this legalistic framework, like you can do this and you can't do that. Like one, one week cutting the grass may be totally cool, but the next week, maybe, maybe you need a break from that on during your Sabbath time. And so you just need to constantly have, constantly evaluate what you're doing and, and what opportunities are before you uh, against those principles or, or against what your family is, is called into and uh, just, yeah. just kind of be obedient to that. Prime example, last Saturday, we um, were in Arizona with my parents. Boys are visiting their great-grandparents. And our normal, like, structure was thrown for a loop. Our, our Sabbath day was playing in the pool and eating good food and just, you know, like hanging out with family, right? Um, you, you do what you can with what you've got, and it's not perfect, but like just knowing that that that's a critical component of our family um, pillars and relates back to that mission, like you said, it, just guard it, just be thoughtful and, and mindful of it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Um, you said you had an eighth one. Create, create. Okay. So God did not design us as consumers; He designed us to cultivate and create. And I think that's really important for folks to remember, um, especially men. I mean, something profound happens when you take your faith and how you lead your family to the next level and move your family away from being consumers towards being creators. So am I called to just show up every Sunday and attend church and consume a sermon? Or am I called to uh, have an impact in my community to lead another um, maybe new believer uh, down a discipleship journey to create something specific, to um, cultivate and create in the community, cultivate and create in my home, um, whether that's 
uh, something as simple as planting a garden garden or building a bookshelf or whatever it is like just something to shift us away from this idea that we are consumers to God has actually called us to create and cultivate. And I think that uh, in the United States, that's a pretty big problem that that most of us don't want to address because my selfishness is that I enjoy consuming. I I do. I enjoy buying stuff. I enjoy, you know, mass consuming podcasts. I enjoy just sitting in church and listening to a sermon instead of, uh, you know, obeying the hundred plus one another's with the people around me in my community and actually bearing their burdens and loving them and, and sharing life with them. I'd rather just show up and, and leave. Like we all have that inclination in us, but again, setting a pillar, having it point towards the mission and understanding that that's kind of a guideline for us helps us stay mostly on track. We don't, we're not perfect in any of these. We fail a lot, but they keep us kind of, reassessing and and shifting back into the right direction. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, As we kind of wind down here, Chris, I'd I'd like you to tell us a little bit, you have your own podcast, Man on Mission, and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about that. And then you mentioned that you had some resources available for the Dad Hackers community. So let us know what that is and then how, how we might be able to connect a little more with you. Yeah. So, um, podcast is man on mission. Um, I think it's the only one with the name man on mission, so it should be pretty easy to find. Um, uh, the, um, resources are really just, um, centered around family mission and vision statement. So if you guys are interested in what it looks like to kind of go a little bit deeper in this, we're going to be putting together some additional resources that we'll send. Uh, and it's only going out to people listening to this podcast that, that know about this unique URL. So it's uh, manonmission.org slash family mission, manonmission.org slash family mission. Um, and really, Man on Mission is designed to be similar to Dad Hackers in the sense that it's interview-based, but I'm bringing in folks from all walks of life with the goal of helping other people see how you can have bold kingdom impact through everyday things. So one of the things we talk about here is this mission statement, right? Like, how has God uniquely designed us? Not everybody's going to be a podcaster or a pastor or a speaker or you know, like leading a children's ministry or whatever it is, some people are in fact called to be a CEO. Some people are called to be the head of a creative agency. Some people are called to be a construction worker and build homes. And so how do we think about life as a Jesus follower holistically? And how do we have kingdom impact in the everyday things? And what does it look like to have permission to do that and to shape your life around that? So, um, you know, guys on there that are CEOs, there's, uh, you know, nonprofit leaders, creative agency owners, um, you know, founders of, uh, tech startups, uh, a whole slew of different people that are, that are, um, brought in to be interviewed on that. And the goal is really just to equip guys and encourage them, uh, with these other stories. Um, we have a, a private Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash man on mission. Um, and you can find us on Instagram, uh, at every man on mission. Uh, and then any of the things that I do, um, I share my story. I share my family. I share what we're working on. 
um, different personal things, uh, family mission, how we think about shape things. That's all at Chris Cirillo um, on Instagram. Cool, man. Yeah, I'll definitely be sure to link all that stuff up in the show notes so everybody can uh, easily take advantage of that. So Chris, um, one final question for you, brother, before we wrap it up here. Um, in your opinion, what makes a great dad? Sorry, you're breaking up. Oh, I said, in your opinion, Let's... in your opinion, what makes a great dad? I think what makes a great dad is presence. So one of the things that is really important with how we show our heavenly father to our kids is to help them understand a right relationship with him and a right perspective of who he is. Um, and we do that through being present because our heavenly father is not um, distant. He's not um, disconnected. He's not ruling from afar. He's intimately and closely integrated into his creation. Um, he is everywhere at all times. Um, you know, he's all knowing. So if we want to help our kids, um, understand their relationship with God, the father, the best way we can do that is to be present. And I think in doing so, that's going to make us good dads. Cause if you're, if you're truly present, not just physically present, but emotionally and spiritually present yeah, right. as well, then you're going to be tuned into what is on their heart. You're going to be trying to shape them. You're going to be trying to love them, to encourage them, um, to be intentional with them. I think all of that comes along with it when we just choose to be really present and try to show the father to them. Awesome, Chris. I appreciate those insights, man. So Chris, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing all your insights and, and talking through at length about mission and, and vision and about creating those pillars. I think that was really, really solid how you gave us your eight pillars and gave us a concrete example of kind of what we're after when we create these pillars and when we create our mission and vision and those types of things. And I just thank you so much for your ministry and, and for your work and for coming on the show and sharing with us today, man. Thank you. Happy to. Thanks so much for having me. All right, brother. You take care. All right, guys. Well, that is it for the interview with Patrick and I. And uh, so thankful that you guys took some time to listen to this. Hopefully that was valuable for you. Um, and, uh, you know, as always, guys, we appreciate the reviews. We appreciate um, any of the star ratings on iTunes, all of that kind of stuff. Share this with a friend if it was valuable. Um, and we appreciate you guys. Love you. We'll catch you next time here at Man on Mission.